everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me whoa, whoa, whoa. And welcome back I love you guys I'm so glad that you can join me It's been a whirlwind of things going on And I just wanted to start out Just let me take a moment and ask you to like and subscribe Tap the bell notification so that you will know every time new content drops. And please, please share this podcast with friends. That's how we get this to more folks and more people can be encouraged by these discussions. I'm not one to that remembers to promote that, but it really does help. It makes it where many more people are able to hear it. And the way social media and podcasts and all these things are promoted, it really does. It's amazing what begins to happen when just a few people subscribe. It lets lets the promotion of that in the algorithm know that, hey, people are listening. And so they put it in front of more people to, because it looks like something that will be interesting to other people. But also, especially sharing it with your friends. Sharing it with people. If, if something that is in this ministers to you, encourages you, or is just something interesting that you haven't necessarily thought about. Share it with somebody so you can discuss it. You can begin to develop that and delve into any of the topics that we discuss. That's that's really how this thing works, and that's how and why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it because I want people to listen to me, and I think that if, if you listen to Nemo, you will get the Lord in your life. No, I really believe that that it's the body of Christ coming together, sharing our perspective, sharing our hearts, that we see the face of God through each other. We hear the voice of God in each other. That's really, really important to me. And so I don't feel like I'm up on some pedestal. I do believe that God has given me things to share. And so prayerfully, I consider them and I, I want to share them. And, and God, I feel God has led me to do this on the platform of a podcast to share my heart and I believe that in this format, it allows for more development of ideas that people can contemplate, they can study on their own, they can listen again and again, which allows for the idea to begin to take root in our hearts. And so I feel led by God to do this, but I need you guys, I need the help of my friends and anybody who's encouraged to just remember, like and subscribe. That is, that's a big thing because then you will be able to follow it. You'll be able to keep up with it. It won't just be a one-time thing from the standpoint of the algorithm and how that works. And I know that can be, that's, that's not spiritual, right? That's just a, a, a business thing, but it's still, it is spiritual in the, in the sense that in order to minister people, you have to, it has to be heard. It has to be in front of people. So please pray about it. And I encourage you and thank you for anybody who has shared it. I've heard some friends who have heard about my podcast from other friends that didn't, they didn't even know who I was. So that's, that's encouraging as well. I really hope that can grow and that can continue so that God can be honored and he can be lifted up through the things that he's put on my heart. And I really believe that for the church, for us, that many of these topics are alive for right now. This is not just generalized biblical content. I really am trying to be led by God for what he wants in our life right now. Wow. It's uh, season two rolling out. Um, <laughs> this has been so much fun. And I um, know that going forward, there will be some great things that we can chew on together and we can grow towards God. I am just beginning to put together ideas for season two. And as I've been doing that, there's been one topic that just keeps coming up, this topic on my mind, and 
So I've been praying about it, and I thought I would start out with this one. It's first love. It's been on my mind a lot. There's two main things that jump out at me about first love. The first love that we have with God and our relationship with him. As I've been contemplating this, it keeps coming up again and again. I hear so many different factions, if you will. I don't necessarily like to think of it as factions, but it does turn into that. We end up warring against one another. And I don't think that's the spirit of God. But even though that's not the spirit of God, that doesn't mean that there aren't real problems, that there aren't real things that need to be dealt with, that God wants to unify us in rather than us decide, well, I'm of this. I actually heard a pastor talking about this and it kind of broke my heart. He was like, well, our side is this and he's, and their side is that. And he wasn't talking about sinners and the, or wickedness out there. He was talking about the church. He was saying, he was saying well, our people, we go back and we follow this, these believers and, and they follow those believers. And, and if you've chosen this side, you need to be on our side. And I'm like, that, it broke my heart. I don't believe that that's the heart of God for any of these things. But there does become a point where when we believe something and we put our stake in the ground and we stand for what we believe in rather than knowing God, even if what we believe is right, Often that becomes a problem in our life, but especially when it's wrong, especially when we have made it such a deep, important thing in our life that we must believe this in order to be, from our perspective, a lot of times we won't even say it, but we will believe it. You can't be a Christian unless you believe what I believe. And that's just not true in most cases, even if it's an important thing. Like I said, even if we're right, it's not about salvation. It's not about our relationship with God. On that level, obviously, if you know more about God and you grow in the things of God, that can grow you closer to God. But it can also, when we put it in the wrong place in our life, be divisive between us and other people, but especially divisive between us and God. We have now, I call it the deification of doctrine. When we begin to worship something other than God because we have placed our belief truly higher than he is because it's not really about him anymore. It's about the fact that this belief is God. And that's never true. It's never true. Not one time ever has been a truth about God or a belief that is true about God. It does not, that is not God. But when we put it in that place in our life, it begins to separate us from the reality of, of knowing him. And I know that can be confusing in some ways because I don't mean it to be confusing that truth will separate you from God. It's where you place your mind on those things. It's not about the fact that it's real. I can absolutely believe something that is true. Um, Specifically, let's go to a relationship. If I have a relationship with somebody and that person is um, struggling in an area, and that's true, I can either take that and I can have a relationship with them and care about them, or I can separate because of the struggle that they are having. Now, I'm not talking about big sins that that need to be because it's damaging other people. I'm talking about just a, a way of looking at people. When that that truth becomes something that's more important than my friend, then that's that is a destructive force in my life. Now, in the same way with God, if I believe something about God and then I focus so much on that belief about God that I stop relating with him, 
because he cares about me. He cares about the individual parts of me, but he also cares about the individual parts of you and anyone else. He cares about all those things. And so I will miss and I will no longer hear and see what God is doing in your life or in somebody else's life because I'm focused so much on this one truth that I believe in that you don't necessarily agree with. And that causes me to no longer be seeing God for who he is, where he is, and what he's doing. And so in so doing, ultimately, that becomes a form of idolatry where I am no longer truly worshiping God for who he is and what he is and the way that he is. I am looking at God and saying, well, this is true about you. So therefore, anyone who doesn't believe it is not worshiping you. When the truth is, I'm missing what God is doing. I hope that makes some sense. That gets a little bit complicated, but it's it's real. It's true. It happens all the time. And so as I dig into this topic of first love, that actually is going to come up again. The first thing that I really want to get into on what it means to have first love or to lose our first love, which is this topic today is not just about losing our first love. It is about first love because most of the time we just talk about the passage in Revelation where it says you've left your first love. And so not having that first love is what we talk about. But I want to talk about the the first thing that's important is that we truly become completely in love with God. We can't leave our first love if we never really developed it to begin with. So that's the first one. And the second one is that leaving our first love is described along with attributes that we associate with strong, mature believers. In Revelation, it does. And I'll read that here in a little bit. But I'm not saying that those attributes that he describes are bad. He actually praises them. Those are good. I only want to point out that they often, because we can be operating in a a formal way or a, a, a just a religious way without the actual interaction. And I don't like to say just the religious. We use that term all the time in circles that I'm around. Religious is not bad. Religious, we talk, what we mean is false religion. We mean something that is not truly by God. Religion just means man's service to God. So in its basic form, it's a good word, but we throw it around and we leave out the other part. So I don't want to confuse anybody. If if you like the word religion or if you hate the word religion, I just want to say put it in the context of what I mean. And so when I say that it's religious, I mean that it's just things that we do without actually having depth. It's just habit or it's just over and over again, the, the habits that we like to do. And some of those are very good things. And sometimes we establish ministries and we do major works that are along the lines of caring for the needy or different things like that. And those are all good attributes. But often what gets left behind, what gets lost in the shuffle, what is disguised is the reality that we have actually left our first love. Our first love is to God. It's not to ministry. It's not to accomplishing things. And this is something I've been saying a lot lately. It is not, absolutely, it is not right that we would seek God so that we can then be a minister. We don't seek God so that we can do anything. We don't seek God so that we can accomplish anything. We don't seek God and be filled up with the love of God so that we can pour out. Okay. I know I just stepped across line. That's what's something that we say all the time, right? We've been filled up so that we can pour out. It's true. You will pour out. 
and you must minister. And the love of God can't be contained when you are in love with God. And so that ministry, that, that showing forth of the gospel and the power of God will happen. But if we're doing it to do that, what we run into is there's a passage in the scripture that talks about that. There's a man who wanted the power that the, the apostles had, that they were ministering the power of Jesus. And he came and he wanted to buy it. Obviously, this is a more extreme. He was he was involved in witchcraft, and he wanted so he understood how the spiritual things can control and have have authority. And but he recognized that the power of Jesus was above; that was beyond, and it had real application, real ministry that was changing people's lives. And he wanted some of that. He knew he could make money off of it, or whatever it was in his heart. He could gain power over other people. This was not something that God wants. He does not want us to go after him so that we can have something to pour out. Now, there are times, don't get me wrong, there are times when I am wanting and I desire from the heart of God to be able to touch someone and help them. And so I pray, God, show me, lead me, give me the power to help them. That's okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm talking about the, the real issue of me and my life, the way that I pursue God, must be that simple basic, that I love God. I come to him because he is, because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him because he is a lover. And so I come to him because I want him. I want to be close to him. I want to love him. I want to be his friend. I know that we come from all different areas, all different ways and backgrounds. And so our initial experience can be quite different in that regard. But ultimately it has to always come back to that place. It always has to come to that place of, I love you, God. And the sooner that happens, that's where we experience the first love. Developing that first love is something that is so important. And what I find is again and again, we don't actually experience, or so many believers don't experience the abandonment or abandonment to God and developing that first love. It is blocked with so many different things. And in one believer after another, I, I, it, I find that it's stopped by, honestly, by so many different other believers in their life. But again, it's more of the establishment. It's more of the organization. It's not so much that people are trying to do that, but because they believe that they're trying to help. But what happens is so many people actually get caught up in this. They're no longer just pursuing God in, in an organic way. They have become caught up in the flow of doing these things. And that goes into leaving our first love as well as developing our first love. But I want to stay on developing our first love more because I believe that it's actually an underdeveloped thing. Our first love is not being developed to a fullest extent. That's why it's easy to lose. It's easy to get lost in many of these things. So that abandonment, becoming completely infatuated with God and who he is, is something that we have to do. It must be done. If we don't do that, then we become, the, the shorter amount of time that we really focus on that and the, the less that that becomes established in our life makes us weak. It makes us, makes us vulnerable. And sadly, I hear testimony after testimony, friends that have served God 
and you hear you. I actually watched them. Watch them get saved. I watched them dedicate their life to the Lord. And then the, over time, five years, ten years, you begin to dis- have d- deeper discussions with them about what happened. And sometimes they're talking about having left the first love and wanting to come back to it. But in a lot of cases, what I find is actually in most cases is that it was underdeveloped. They didn't really find that place of complete satisfaction and unity with God that drives them in every area of their life. So that as they move forward, that begins to be filled up with many other things and it never truly got developed. And so to the people in the life of every new believer, if you're around somebody who's coming to God, this is, this is your call, your job to f- cultivate that, to speak to them from that perspective of say, hey, go after this. This is what you want. This is what you need. You can become so much in the hands of God that can only happen in his presence, that can only happen as you grow in who he is. And especially if we're broken, we're damaged, we're coming to God from all these different perspectives. How great is this? How big is this? This is so important that we actually get to know him rather than know about him, rather than study, rather than have all the different things which are important in their own place, in their right way, they are good. I'm never putting those things down. But we it's so easy to replace this with more and more uh, facts about God, more and more activities about God, rather than just simply that place of being in love and it doesn't have to end. It never has to end. That's actually kind of po- the, my point and, you know, about leaving your first love. It doesn't actually have to end. But we think it does because of the honeymoon phase. Now, the honeymoon phase is an excited time when you meet someone and it's all brand new. Now, what I will say is that excitement is stimulates when you when you meet someone you are really attracted to them and all the newness of that it stimulates a lot of different hormones in our bodies that of joy and excitement that can't be maintained scientifically we know that it can't be maintained but the reality the depth of pursuit of it can be and must be and that is something that continues to to stoke and revive and in and just encourage us as we grow in that so to everyone who's who's in the life of a new believer Recognize this. Step back. Don't sit there and and put out all these different things that you have learned or in, in discussion about different topics and theology. All those things will happen naturally. That, that somebody who's growing in the Lord will naturally begin to be hungry, and and those conversations will come up. It's not your job to just impute that, to just download that straight into them. All the things that, that are important to you. They might even be true, but they're probably flawed. If we're all being honest, many of the things that we understand are flawed. They're partially understood or they're completely wrong. And we're going to push that into another believer because we, because to us it's important. Let God show what's important. And to a new believer, and wherever you find yourself, you can go back because this goes, if you're wanting to go back to your first love, if you've left it, or if you're a brand new believer and you find yourself in this place, understand that it's okay. You don't need at this moment to have all these different things figured out. You don't need to focus on them. All the theology that you may have learned if you're if you're trying to return to that first love can be a hindrance, can be a distraction and can keep you from this raw, organic, natural 
flow of intimacy with God. So put that to the side because you do not say you get up in the morning and you're praying. You don't have to spend time in the scriptures reading two or three chapters because that's what is necessary to give you food and, 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 you know, it's our daily bread. That's all good, but it's not what you absolutely have to have. What you absolutely have to have is God. And so if you're in the pursuit of God, those other things will begin to take their proper place instead of usurping and taking the place of that reality with God. And so I encourage you, don't feel pressured to, to move out of that. Let God lead you. He will let you take those next steps. He will show you that next step in front of you, but be passionate for him and be hungry for him. Desire him and you will receive him. He's not going to, if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you what you really need to sustain you. So that's, that's so important as we're moving on in this. So that's my first step of understanding about first love is developing that really. And, you know, I want to share some different ideas that I have, but some of those may distract from it. But the one simple thing is that God spoke to me very early in my walk is he taught me, he said, do you want me because of what I do for you? Or do you want me because you love me? And I remember praying a prayer and I've said this on so many occasions to people, and I don't know if I get the point across, but hopefully I do here right now. I remember when I was 12 years old, giving my life to the Lord, I was in my room and God was convicting me of the the reality that even at a young age, there were many things that I had come short of the glory of God and I had failed. I had been selfish and I had sinned and he was convicting me. And I remember feeling the weight of all that. And I remember just praying to him. I was like, God, I don't know if you can forgive me or if you will forgive me for what I've done. But I know that you are real and I will serve you anyway. And now that's not to negate. <laughs> I'm not saying that we should not understand the free gift of God and the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of that and how he's faithful and just as we confess our sins to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'm not putting that down at all. But that simple prayer put me into a relationship with God that I believe and I've witnessed and I've seen this and God has made it real over and over again of seeking after him, not for what I get. That testimony has turned into an unending well of resources in my life of that continue to push me forward, that I have this impetus that I can't stop and I can't contain it. And I love you, Jesus. I love you, God, with all my heart. I will follow after you. Jesus, you have set me free. And that knowing him is what enables every other aspect in our life. It's the enabler. It is the empowerment to do all the different things. And that's, that's what I wanted to get at. That, so remember, you have to have a first love to leave it. You have to. It's, there's no other way, if, ands, or buts. There's no other way you can't do this without a first love. So I'm encouraging everybody to get there, get deep into that. Focus on that. Find who he is. He wants you to know him. I'm not going to belabor this any longer. I know that I can talk about that forever because it's burning in my heart. I want to see other people with that just made alive and cultivated in them. So the second part is about leaving your first love. 
And so I wanted to get into that because I know that this is something that is very, very important. The Bible mentions it and it's it's right along such a important thing. This is, <laughs> I'll just read it. This is Revelation chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, verse two, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So there you go. That is the scripture. That is the passage about your first love. You have this, God has this against this church. And I don't, there's deeper, there's big revelation in, in these passages about what these churches are and what they mean, but I'm going to talk to individuals because you are part of the church and this is something that happens in, in so many different people's lives in so many different ways. We have to look at this and understand how important this is. I, I've heard people read this. I was in a Bible study not too long ago and people were, were studying revelation and People started talking about, oh, yeah, your first love is this, your first love is that. And I didn't hear, honestly, and I was kind of disappointed because these are good friends of mine, actually, so I'm not trying to put anybody down. But just at that moment, you know, the phrases that came out kind of got distracted by the discussion of, of these things that are not necessarily the point. And, it, you know, how discussions can happen. And I really wanted to focus on first love and really get into that. But it, it kind of you know, just kind of went a different direction that day. And so I was disappointed from that. So I'm not putting anybody down. I don't know that, you know, I don't think that their hearts were, were evil. So don't, please don't, don't misunderstand that. But this was on my heart about first love. It's so important. And it's, he says, repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly and repent and remove the lampstand from its place. The light, the light that you shine that is your faith, that is the love of God that draws men to Jesus for his salvation will be removed. This is huge. And the context that he gives us, who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? He says, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience, that you can't bear those who are evil. This sounds like, to me, this sounds like a lot of established, well, mature, thought out people who in, in the kingdom of God, we have people who understand and, you know, the church builds up, you know, the fundamentals, the, the foundation. And so we, we say, okay, people who are not teaching that they say that they are apostles. They're not. They're, they're, they've deviated. They've stepped away from the scripture, from the foundation of the word of God. And we're finding, we're calling them liars like they are. Um, you have persevered in patience and have labored for my namesake and not become weary. How many people out there have lived their life and ministers and ministries and individuals in those churches and that you know that are patient? They will not turn away from their faith. They will not leave the things that they believe in, and rightfully so. They persevere, and for God, 
for his namesake, they are not weary. No matter the temptation, no matter the hardship, there's so many faithful people that stick it out. They, you know, they test everybody that say that they are of God. They persevere with patience. God knows that. He sees them and he commends that. He commends you. If this is you, if this is something in your life that you have have followed for many years or you're beginning in that in that journey of of just recognizing, hey, you know what? I'm not going to allow the the temporary beliefs or ideologies that pop up in our society that want to destroy Christianity, that stand against the truth and the reality of God, the ideas of, of gender fluidity, the ideas of that, well, God's just okay with everybody. Um, it's really about this pursuit of God rather than knowing God um, because God can be anything to, to you. No, God has revealed himself. We have to stand firm. We have to know that these things are lies. We have to know that all these things are intended to undermine, to destroy the faith that God has put in us, but also faith in society because faith in society is what holds them accountable. It's what keeps the darkness pushed back. It's what shines the light so that many can come to it. So again, that's why this is so important because even while doing these things, while having this importance, (laughs) understanding that you've established the foundations of reality with God, that we can't deviate from the truth of God, they still, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. God is pointing something out to us. He's telling us that we can't, we cannot do all these good things, have everything figured out, but not have that relationship, not have that intimacy because it becomes dead. He's got to remove that lamp. He can't keep that lamp burning because it draws people away from him. To get that, the light that is supposed to draw people to, to God is a light that is drawing them actually away from God because it's drawing them into all of these different things that we believe are important, but it's not including because we've left that first love. We've left that passion and that desire. And I'm not, like I said, I am not trying to say that everybody or every group or every church, uh, you know, that has uh, firm teaching and good teaching. I'm not against that. I teach things. I, I study things that is important but it cannot and it will not and I will not let it. I will stand against it in my own life. I will not let it remove that passion and desire of that relationship, that intimacy. And so when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I think is, I want you. I want you, God. I love you. You're so beautiful. And that is the driving force behind everything. And so when I, when I learn something, when I study something, it doesn't take me away from that. It actually enhances that. That is the purposes of God. And so we, we build on that foundation. So when our worship, and now <laughs> this, this, is, this is something that has been on my heart. I've seen this so many different times. People talk about worship and, well, we need, we need to have theology. We need to have truth. We need to, and I'm not against that. Everything's going to have ideas and the knowledge and the study of God involved in it. But when our worship is pasteurized like that, when it's catechistic phrases instead of heartfelt desire and passion for God, 
And when our prayers are systematic theology rather than natural conversations with our faithful and loving Father, we have left our first love. I say that because it is not about the lyrics. It is about the heart to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, obviously, we can't be singing songs and worshiping God with false things. But what can be happening is you don't have to. In fact, you don't need to. And it gets in the way of when you have all these different truths being sung or talked about, it often detracts. It gets away from. When you are talking to someone that you, you know, you're dating and you're telling them about, hey, you know, why, you know what I like about you? Or if you're married and you're telling somebody about telling your spouse about your love, when you're, you don't say, well, I am a man. You are a woman. Men like women. Men find women beautiful. And men enjoy holding hands with women. Th- these are truths. These are facts. These are things. That doesn't, that's not going to draw you close to them. They're not going to enjoy that conversation. It's not going to cultivate intimacy and unity and desire for one another when you are like that. And that's what I mean when I say pasteurized and catechistic phrases instead of heartfelt desire. Because all these different things that have been processed into, well, that is theologically accurate. That is um, the the system of, of what God is, has laid out. It's true. And so we sing about that. I'm not going to say it's always bad, but what it falls prey to very quickly, and it does get in the way. Just say, I love you. You. God, you are the one that I love. You, it's you, God, the one that I want. That right there means so much more than than paragraphs or songs of deep truth that is that is factually accurate. It does. It just means so much more. And I'm not I don't want to get caught up in stylistic worship or anything like that. Because I know some people will say well, they enjoy a, an older song. I love a lot of older songs. I love a lot of older hymns, in fact. But what I do find is that when we when we actually get into that place of intimacy, and I call it stepping into that next level, going beyond the surface surface of worship into what God wants, it begins to cultivate the prophetic. It begins to God begins to speak through us into us and move in our times of worship and move in our gatherings and in our church services to in anointing and in our homes and different ways that we fellowship with other believers. And when we step beyond that it becomes very, very intimate. It's no longer about that God is the all-powerful, almighty being who is in control of the universe, and we know that he is. It becomes far less about those things and just about you. I love you, God. You, you. And then from that place, he begins to speak his love to us that begins to teach us Revelation begins to be poured out about his nature, about the way he thinks, the way that he moves. And so when we study the scripture, it begins to come alive. That We are able to, by the spirit, discern what these things are. So it goes deep into the thoughts and intents of what he speaks and what's in our hearts, both directions. It's a double-edged sword going into the thoughts and intents that God has in the scripture and the thoughts and intents that we have. And it, it brings all that in unity, in truth and purity. 
So that's the idea of what first love should look like in our worship in our prayers. Now I just want to touch on this. I've heard, and I was actually praying and I was, I was thinking about some things because there was things happening in this, in a meeting that I was in and I didn't agree with all of it. And so I was considering praying some, some things that were theologically and it just crossed my mind. I was like, why am I doing that? Why do I want to preach a prayer? I'm supposed to be talking to you, Lord. And so I just quickly repented of that. I just like that. Yeah, I confessed that to God. I was like, that's not, that's not the right way of thinking. And so I began to pray just along the lines of, I'm, I'm grateful. I thank you. I thank you. I love you. And it, it flows into much more natural um, conversation with God. But I have encountered this again and again lately with, with friends of mine, and I'm praying for them, and I'm, and I'm seeking God for, for ways that he can use me in, in their life, but mostly the, that his spirit would just really, truly manifest and break off some of those formalities and some of those ideologies and some of those things that get in the way between him. So I'm just praying for that power to fall into their life. But what they do is they they can't even pray. And I've, I have some friends that I've, I've been kind of observing Every single prayer that they pray is a theology. They don't pray to talk to and fellowship with God. They they pray a theology of of uh, this 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 and this and this. Thank you for and I believe all this 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 and this. And this. Thank you and in, in many different kinds of theologies. But I find this is something that God wants to eradicate. That's not what our prayers are supposed to be. Our prayers are not supposed to be like that. Our prayers are supposed to be talking to our best friend. He is our closest lover. And so if he is truly our lover, then we don't have to tell the people who are close to us all these different little things about love and about relationship. We already have that. So our prayers should flow from that. So this place of repenting (laughs) and doing the first works... The first works are very simply that. When you first give your life to God, what is the thing that God is wanting you to be about, to be doing in your life? It's pursuing him. It's knowing him. He said, repent. That's a change your mind. We, we think of repentance as a wicked, evil sin, and we stop doing it. Yes, that's true. You don't want to keep doing evil. I'm not trying to belittle that. That's real. It's just repent means, in, in this case specifically, to change your mind. Stop thinking that doing all the things that, 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 that he, he just praised them for doing, because that's what the context of this. This is not they've, they've abandoned serving God. In Revelation, he didn't say, he said, I know your works that you don't serve God anymore and that you like the evil teachers and you believe everybody who says that they're apostles and um, you have not been so uh, diligent and you've kind of just quit doing what you're doing and and you've become very tired of serving me. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He says the opposite of that. He praises them for their faithfulness, for their, for their diligence in these areas. But what he says is they have to repent. They have to have their mind changed because that does not equal the first love that they knew, that they knew in their heart towards God, that they knew with God, that God has for them and they had for God and do the first works. Go back to those first things. Develop that because you cannot think and understand and think that all the things that you're doing are fulfilling that if you don't have it.
if you are not deeply, passionately in love. So that's that's what I had on my heart about first love, and I could talk forever, you know. I, I There's so many thoughts that come as I'm doing this, but I want to stay focused, and so I just want to pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, you've been so kind to us. You've been so good to us, and you continue to be, even in the midst of all these different types of things. You admonish us, you teach us, you encourage us. Even when we become faithless or we become hardened or we become distracted and we leave our first love, Lord, I pray that you would stir that up in me right now in new, fresh ways because that's, that's what maintains it. Oh God, I believe that. I believe that that's what maintains it. I love you and I want to pursue you. Lord, fill me more and more. Lord, I pray for my friends who might be listening to this and who are hearing these things. Lord, I pray that you would stir that up, cultivate that intimacy, speak to their hearts, encourage them, Lord, as you, as only you can, as you whisper those, those things to us, you call us by name and you're so close to us, Lord, I pray that you would just shatter all those walls, shatter all the things that we've erected that, that block us, that slow us down, that get in the way, anything, Lord, anything that is not placed specifically by your hand. Move it out of the way. Bring our hearts close to you. Make us intimate with you. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I praise you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's it. I hope you guys are having a great day. I will talk to you real soon. And again, like and subscribe. Get the get this word out there so that people can be blessed. People can be encouraged. Well, that's it. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon. Everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me 